Thanks for listening to The Real Life Podcast. If you live in the Erie area, we invite you to join us in person on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. or live on Facebook and YouTube by searching Real Life Assembly. Now, here's this week's message. So, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about, I think, God's hand on America. There is no other nation that celebrates freedom like the United States of America. I don't know about your neighborhood, but the fireworks have already started in my neighborhood, right? I mean, I think till one o'clock last night, it was still booming around. And yet for all of our flaws, and there certainly are plenty of them, I think the difference is our fight for freedom. And not just here in our own nation, but wherever people gather, I think is the hallmark of what the United States of America is all about. Our founding fathers had it right when they wrote our own Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. Can you say amen with me today? That all men, women, child, are all created equal. And that we've all been endowed by our Creator with certain inalienable rights. That among these today are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You know, there's been a lot that has been written on that little word, all, that all of us have been created equal. You see, it isn't a feeling just that it is an American thing or maybe just for a select few, but for people everywhere all over the world. We know that God has created us. He has given us freedom so that we might live free, not only in the world here in the physical sense, but God sent his son Christ so that we could be free. Every man, woman, boy, and girl, that we could be free on the inside as well. Can you say yes with me today? Listen, I know that our founding fathers may not have gotten everything right in forming this nation, but they got that thing right. I mean, if we could go back into our history, just imagine if we turned on our national news and we heard these three announcements today that the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court has just issued this statement, that divine providence, meaning God, has given to our people the choice of their rulers, and it is the duty of our Christian nation to select and prefer Christians for their rulers. What if we heard that today? Or if we heard another report, inquiries by reporters reveal that almost every state legislature has now passed a law requiring that all elected officials should take this oath. I do profess faith in God, the Father, and in the Lord Jesus Christ, his only Son. I do acknowledge the Holy Scriptures of the Old and New Testament to be given by divine inspiration. What if you continue to watch the news and the next report came on today that says legislation has passed today in Congress to affirm that the Congress of the United States of America approves and recommends that the Holy Bible be used in all of our schools. Now, what do you think the response to those announcements would be today, especially in our media, right? What kind of chaos and challenge would that be? I think there would be a reaction greater than even you and I could imagine. But the amazing thing is this. Every one of those statements are historically accurate and factual, They don't exist today, unfortunately, but they did exist at the writing of our own Constitution and our own Declaration of Independence. It was John Jay, the very first Chief Justice, known as the father of the Supreme Court, one of the primary writers of our own Constitution that wrote, it is the duty of our Christian nation 
to select and prefer Christians to be its rulers. It was the state of Delaware, as well as others of the first 13, which affirmed that the office holders take the oath, affirming their Christian faith before they even take office. And it was our own Congress in 1782 that approved that the Bible be used in all of our schools and that they would even be paid for by tax dollars. Can somebody say yes? <clears throat> Just think about it. If these people who were so instrumental in establishing our nature, nation would be here today and to do these things in our country today, they would probably be considered right-wing radicals and a threat to our nation, right? How crazy have things changed in these last 200 years? Listen, there's no doubt that we've gone a long, long way from the roots that really formed this nation. Our school systems, colleges, and universities have become so secularized, so distanced from religion. In fact, many of our high-prized Ivy League schools really had their foundations as seminaries. Princeton and Harvard and Yale were all known as divinity schools primarily. And today they have become some of the most liberal places on earth. Our nation that has neglected and chooses not to hear, again, that we realize, but yet there is still a message to declare. And that there is still a voice that originally came from the founders of our country, but that still too exists today. It exists to you and I still as believers that God has freedom, not only for America and for all, whether externally, but God has freedom built with inside of each and every one of us. And how that continues is because the power of the church of Jesus Christ. Because we not only believe in America and what it originally stands for, but we believe that God has placed his hand upon this nation because there is a message to continue to share. Let me talk to you about a couple of things, and I know that we read the news today and see this, such this diversion from where we began, but let's talk about a few things in which I believe that is right with America, or that started, that give us a foundation today. We know that America was settled by people looking for religious freedom. From our very first settlers, we realized that other nations, they were formed, or they came into existence many times by conquest of selfish leaders with ambitious motives. But it was primarily this atmosphere of God and not gold or riches in which America was born. The souls that sailed to this country on the Mayflower, even before the formation of the United States, they fled from tyranny and up oppression. And there in the Mayflower Compact, which was signed beneath those swinging lanterns underneath those ships, that they proclaimed as they were coming to this new world that they would do it for the glory of God and for the advancement of the Christian faith. Listen, we've got to hold to our roots today, church. We've got to believe that what began here can still be birthed in our nation again. In these early colonies, the first public buildings to be erected was the church, was the house of God. The first exercise of the community was that it would be a corporate act of worship. That when sorrow came, they gathered at the church and appealed to God for help. When the rains didn't come, they gathered at the church to pray that God would open up the heavens. When bountiful harvest filled the barns, they gathered at the church for thanksgiving to God. 
In 1643, long before our Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, it was the New England Confederation that wrote probably the very first Constitution here in the New World. It says, whereas we all came into these parts with one and the same end, namely to advance the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ and to enjoy the liberties of the gospel in both purity and peace. It's obviously that the first thing that is right with America is that we were built as a nation. We were built as people that had a desire to know that our first call should be to worship God. I think the also is that there is a desire to not only worship him, but to please him and to do his will. Those 150 years, they between the, the very first settlers that came to the new world and that the beginning of our nation, unfortunately, there were some dark times that existed in between that. To the fervor which those that came to this new world seeking that purity and peace and to understand that we could worship the name of God, that as some of those original settlers, settlers died off, many of their descendants were more concerned with increasing their own wealth and comfortability living rather than being faithful to God and to his word. Anybody ever read that book before, right? What start out so good, then all of a sudden, like, things get pretty good that we kind of slip and slide away that we get comfortable. And then wave after wave of immigrants began to arrive, many of them coming for many different reasons that were the original intent of the very first settlers. It's true the spiritual atmosphere of the fledgling new nation began to deteriorate rapidly. Once where churches were filled, now churches were dying. Where once those that were seeking religious freedom, now it seemed that people were seeking their own selfish desires. And by 1730, there were only about 10% of the population that again found themselves seeking God. What began just 150 years before the American Revolution, for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith, all of that had almost disappeared from our land. But here's what I want you to know about our history. Something amazing happened. It was around 1734 that there were a handful of preachers, that the church refused to die, amen? The church refused to go away. The church refused to lack, be a lack of voice in the midst of the chaos that was happening in the world around us. Jonathan Edwards, George Whitefield, Gilbert Tennant, the Wesley brothers, they again felt the hand of God that America needed the move of God again. In a time where it seemed like everyone had forgotten God, there was a remnant that God spoke to that believed in the power of God again. And so they began to preach the power of Christ. And the streets even became filled. Churches, once again, were filled. Many of them became crusade preachers that began to go out into the fields because the buildings and the churches were not able to contain the crowds as a mighty revival began to sweep through America again. Many of you maybe understand American history or church history in this time around the 1730s to 40s that was known as the Great Awakening, that there was such spiritual fervor again in America for God to do something powerful and mighty that literally tens of thousands of people had dedicated their lives to Christ, being baptized, 
They came to hear these crusades and revival meetings that were held in open air meetings all over, uh, certainly here in the Northeast and, and as it began to spread. We lived in New England for a number of years just outside of of Springfield, Massachusetts, and you could just make the short, probably 25-minute drive to Greenfield, Mass. Jonathan Edwards, if any of you, again, know anything about some church history, was one of the most dynamic preachers of this day. That if you could think back into the early 1700s that they built a church, it still stands there today. I've walked through it while we were there. Over seated over 750 people, and they would regularly fill it several times a day on Saturdays and Sundays. You see, there was a spiritual awakening that sometimes we only think to look back to. But I want you to know that God's fervor, that God's power, that God's desire to revive man or to revive a nation or to revive our world is still always hot and on fire. Amen? If we understand, well, pastor, how do you know that 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 truly happened? Benjamin Franklin wrote, it is wonderful to see the change soon made in the manners of all of our inhabitants from being thoughtless and indifferent about religion. It seems as if the world were growing religious so that one could not walk through the town in an evening without hearing psalms being sung in different families on every street. How many would rather hear that today than some of the other stuff that we hear, right? Why do we need to know this? And here's just kind of the point today. Because this great awakening was the precursor to the American Revolution. Our founding fathers, the signers of our Declaration of Independence, those who wrote our Constitution and Bill of Rights, those who put their lives on the line, who fought and died that you and I still today might be free. All of these grew up and came into leadership while this great awakening had engulfed our land. You see, God strategically put a time knowing that we as a nation would need God again. And God sent the revival fires to these names that are so familiar to us, think about it, who may have been but boys maybe barely teenagers, and realized and saw the power of God move, whether upon their family, their mom, their dad, and maybe ultimately seeking it about themselves. Man, so awesome to hear the report from Bailey and Caitlin today. And I thought about it in the midst of this message, that we realized that we sent off a generation, that God would empower them. Come on, somebody say amen today. That God would ignite and light them. But listen, moms and dads and grandma and grandpas, we can't just hold back and realize, man, I hope that God uses our teens to start an awakening, that they need to see the awakening that is already in you and I with the power and the fire of God that they pick up the mantle and continue the cause and the cry that men and women can come to know the power of Jesus Christ in their life. Today, let there continue to be a generation that knows the power of God over their lives today. America was founded by men and women who acknowledged God's supreme rule, not only over men, but over our nations as well. 
Listen, I realize that I'm sure that some of you are greater history buffs than myself, but certainly America has not always had the most shining light, that we have not always done that which is right or that which is perfect. Even some of these signers, they weren't all devout believers, but they all acknowledged that God was a supreme ruler over man and the nations. I encourage you today, maybe or this weekend, just Google the image or the painting that has become famous about the very first Continental Congress. And what you will see are these founding fathers, these that have been influenced by the presence and the power of God, maybe by the time that they were young, when they came to this kind of roadblock about forming what this nation would look like, how it would exist. Somebody in the midst of that political inside meeting about writing these documents that would form the basis of everything that we hold true today said, you know what, guys, before we go any further, before this discussion gets any farther off course, I think what we need to do is get on our face before God and ask the holy power of God to reveal his power and presence in our life before we take another step forwards. How many would believe today You want to talk about a miracle rather than the bickering and fighting that we see on the House floor or in our Senate. What if one of our strong believing senators would stand up and say, listen, enough of all the garbage that's going on. Why don't we fake it our face on the floor of this House of the Senate? Do is look at the mud. All they would have to do is look at the massive painting on the wall of the First Continental Congress to say, this isn't out of order. This is how it originally began, that we sought the heart and the face of God. John Adams wrote this in a letter to his wife, Abigail, about the meeting that I just attended, the First Continental Congress. He said, the most amazing thing occurred Even the old stern Quakers had tears gushing down their cheeks as they sought the presence and power of God. How many would love to see the power of God like that in America again? You see, we have a part to play that it's really not a political movement, that we weren't formed on trying to come up with how could we be the best political organization in all of the world. Our freedom exists because it was a desire that we be the best followers of Christ. That we, we have the greatest heart and the greatest passion for his words. And listen, as much as that slope has increased and it seems as we are in that kind of slide again, like they had the first time, that my prayer for us today is that we pray another spiritual awakening. That we pray that again, the power of God, listen, it's God's desire again. I know a lot of people might, might have, have washed off America to say, well, we've, we, we've crossed over. It's too late. It's, it's too far. But I believe that there is still the same God that was there yesterday. Is there still the same God that is there today? The same God that if we will hear our cries, that God, that you would awaken the church, that you would awaken this army, that God, again, that you would sweep through revival. I know that's the miraculous because in our humanity, it doesn't seem like, Pastor Jim, how could that even be possible? But listen, the power of God is really what we're missing. The presence of God is what is wrong in America, wrong in our world. 
Today I pray that God would unite your soul, my soul. That again, that we could believe strong in the power of his work and his word in our life. That we could truly say, God, continue to bless America as we as Americans continue to honor and value your name in our life. Amen? You know, I think there's something, and, and, and as much as I've looked into it, believe it to be true, but I think that there is a shouting point that the church is for our world today, much like back in this day of our American Revolution, the ground zero of our nation in Washington, D.C. stands the, dec- stands the, the Washington Monument. In fact, by law for Washington, D.C., there is no building that could ever be built that is taller than the Washington Monument. And apparently inscribed at the very point and pinnacle of the Washington Monument are described these Latin words, laos deo, which simply are interpreted to you and I, let God be praised. Could it be that that be the rally cry to the highest place in our hearts and in our lives today. That there be nothing higher, there be nothing greater, there be nothing more on your heart or my heart that we have the opportunity to declare each and every day, let God be praised. Church, I encourage us again on this July 4th, another one that that we have been blessed to be able to, to abide with and to walk through again this year that we again would be faithful in what God has given you and I the incredible opportunity to enjoy. Again, there might be more to talk about today about what's wrong with America than what is right with America, but I want you to know that where our roots and where our foundations started for this great nation was not built on some psychological, political, superstardom formation about how a nation can begin. It was about people putting God first and building our life around Him. That maybe not necessarily that the political spectrum was the basis of our nation, but the spiritual, the church. At one point, the church was at the center. And the power and the love and the mercy and the grace of God flowed from it. I often think we hear about David Bongiorno and the work with WorldServe and placing wells in Africa that, that after that provision of, of, of spiritual or of physical sustenance and community is a church, is a place for people to gather. We realize not only are we there to meet the physical need of living water, but that we realize that life comes by people knowing the giver of life. Amen? He who creates abundant living, abundant water from our soul. From what they reminded or what they understood at the formation of our country is still an example for you and I today. That we as the church would stand strong. We as God's people stand strong. Let's not believe that it's over, amen? Let's believe that God has another spiritual awakening. But more than just believe about it, let's do something about it, amen? Would you stand with me and let's pray again for our nation. Thank you for joining with us today. 
Thank you for spending time in the house of God on this weekend to know how important it is to respect and honor, again, the value and the vision of just what we believe in as Americans today. But let's pray. I I would encourage families. I know tomorrow might be a picnic day, and you might be with lots and lots of people, or maybe you'll be with just your family. But but really take some time and, and reflect and pray and thank God. But, but take action. Do something more than just pray for America. Let's believe that there is a part that we as the church, that we can do that would bring spiritual awakening to our land again. Think the power of the impact that we could be in these ending of days that God would awaken the power of his church and his people again. Amen. So, Father, we stand today being grateful and thankful for everything that you have done for us, but also now taking the challenge, Lord, that was laid down before us from our forefathers, that they were unsettled, that there would not be change, but they were impassioned to realize that as they knew you, as they knew your word, that if they were built if they were established upon the foundation of truth of who you were, that your blessing would come upon them and ultimately to us today. And so God, I pray, Lord, that once again, we would build on the foundation that was already laid, that we would raise the walls of spiritual awakening, of spiritual revival in our land. Lord, be with our nation, be with those who lead. Have them be drawn to you. Lord, let the church speak in power and authority as to what we believe in the truth of God over this nation. Revive to us again, Lord, your call, your direction over this land, we pray. God, give peace to your people. Give peace and hope, I pray, to this land that we love. We pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen.